Welcome to the ins and outs of selling a business featuring Keith D, a presentation of Osage Advisors. Welcome back to the ins and outs of selling a business. This is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network, the proud producer of this show, but more importantly, Keith is here. Keith D, the CEO and founder of Osage Advisors. How are you, my friend? I am great, Dave. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's the we got a, Go ahead, Keith, please. We got a we got a big weekend ahead of us. We got the Bill versus Tom show coming up. <laughs> uh, That's right. And uh, the Red Sox doing everything you possibly can to miss the playoffs. So, we're yeah. all buckled in and ready to go. Yeah, both of our teams are making our lives slowly more and more miserable but there's a, there's always hope in the air and that'll be quite a spectacle when brady returns to to foxborough well as we record this we're on the verge of it the next time we record hopefully we'll be happy but i wouldn't bet the farm on it <laughs> i'm with you on that one so it'll be a, a fun weekend for all either way so yes. let's enjoy it falls in the air and mm-hmm. here we are going into the, the fourth quarter 2020 21 who would have thought that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so on the on the show today, we're going to continue our dive into the mechanics of a deal, specifically the due diligence that needs to be done after a letter of intent isn't signed is signed out. Just another component of the way you work with your clients, Keith. And so, why don't you start by telling us, setting the stage as to when this comes in the process and, and why it's so important? Yeah. So. The due diligence is, is, is like the home stretch, uh, the last phase to, to get to close. And you know, so we've gone through, you know, we've marketed a company for sale. We brought multiple potential buyers into uh, meet with our client. We solicited offers and letters of intent. We negotiated and our client has chosen the, the right buyer they feel for the company. So they signed their letter of intent, which kind of lays the roadmap for the asset a purchase agreement or stock purchase agreement, depending on which way you go. So once you sign that letter, now the buyer is takes a deeper dive into your business. To coin a phrase a friend of mine uses, it is a, a CAT scan and MRI on your company. Mm. So now they're going to get underneath the covers and everything we talked about, everything they've seen through the memorandum we prepared, the Q&A document we prepared, the financial we provided, all the various conversations with, uh, with ownership, meeting with ownership, now they want to kind of prove it out. This due diligence process can be uh, painstaking for an owner because it is somewhat intrusive uh, to their business. They're trying to run their company, but they also want to get a deal done. But now they got to kind of open up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I mean open up, they have to, that's the time when they need to meet some more employees, some key employees. And the ownership, depending on the business, it may have only introduced one or two or three key employees. Now they want to get to that next level of management. Is, so, it, is it at this point where most of the company knows that the, the deal is done? In other words, it's it's no longer a secret to the to the company. Not necessarily. Okay. I so. mean, a lot of owners, and, and, and I follow this line, is they want to have certainty to close. Mm-hmm. So they want to make sure that nothing is uncovered in due diligence that gives the buyer pause. Right. So mm-hmm. then that could be a number of things that come up. For example, the there's an environmental issue that pops up. If you're a manufacturing company, how are we going to address that? You can your backlog has dropped from 10 million to 8 million. Why? These questions will keep on coming at you and coming at you and coming at you during due diligence. 
So you need to set the stage for it. And so what we typically do is we have a kickoff. Our job is to kind of quarterback the professionals from our, our team, our clients, accountant and attorney and environmental and benefits, et cetera, on one side. And then also work with the buyer and his or her accountants, uh, consultants, attorneys on the other side and come up with a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, just don't go into diligence without a plan. You should set milestones. And the, kick, the reason the kickoff calls is it's set the stage. So we want to close in 60 days. Mm-hmm. So by October 10th, we want you know, certain things closed down. By October 20th, we want these things closed down. Mm-hmm. By October 31st, we want all this closed down. Mm-hmm. And we have a... And we have a weekly update, a weekly call. So it's important to have a coordinated effort to do this because if you let it kind of go on its own, it could drift. Mm-hmm. When I mean drift, it means time goes on. The buyer will never stop asking questions until you tell them enough, mm-hmm. right? They will keep on digging and digging and digging and digging. So at some point you have to say, okay, they've done their, what they call quality of earnings. They've tested, they looked at the financials, they proved out the financials, they proved out the profitability. Okay, that's closed out, right? Then they get an operational due diligence. So they're going to want to kind of look at various aspects of your work through your business. You've told us how your systems work. How does it really work? Mm-hmm. And understand it. And then they get into some more detailed analysis about how things move through your through your business, whether it's a manufacturing company, whether it's an IT, how you bid, how you, how you relate to your customers, your vendors, et cetera, right? So there's a whole workflow pursuit they want to get through. And that's where they, you start to need to bring in a couple more people. And these are the exec- executives of the company for the senior for- management, senior-, senior man. So it could be the, uh, could be the chief marketing officer, could be your general manager who runs the floor, the plant, it could be your product development person a customer service person, people, a quality control person, people who are have a, are senior positions who manage various aspect, aspects of your business are critical for the buyer to get to know at this point in time. And it could be uncomfortable for the owner because now he or she is in a position where they have to say, I'm selling my company mm. and, you, and bringing you into the loop. And sell them on why this is such a good thing. So it's, it's, it's to be a stressful time for business owners because they're not sure how certain people are going to react to this. These are people that have been with them 10, 20, 30 years. And all of a sudden, by the way, I'm selling my company. Some could be very much relieved and happy about it. And some could be a little bit concerned. So you got to manage that prospect. So you're managing your business. You're managing your people. And you're managing the buyer's needs and constant requests for information during due diligence. So it does. It becomes an emotional time for a business owner because they signed a letter of intent, they got a price, and who knows what's going to happen. Time is not your friend when you get due diligence. That's why it's important to set a parameter, set milestones, set goals, and someone has to manage that process for you. And that's where we come in. We work with our clients shoulder to shoulder, 24-7 through this process because things will come up. They always do. And our job is to represent the owner, make sure that their goals and objectives are, are being met and find a solution so, to things that pop up. Say, say you've got an owner who says to you, Keith, I realize we need to bring in these th- three or four members or whatever it is of, of senior management. A couple of them are going to be great. They're already on board. A couple of them, frankly, are quite anxious about this sale. 
I take it that's something you want to get in front of and coach either either be involved or you tell me coach up the owner on how he can alleviate some of their concerns prior to that meeting with the new owner is, is tell me about that dynamic. Yeah, so this is an area where we we talk about owners is, is to reward these people for the services uh, they provided over the years to get to where we are today, right? And <clears throat> in, in a trade we call it stay bonuses. And so these key people said, Look, this is the great thing for everybody. I would not be doing this deal if I didn't think it was right for the future of this company. And as part of the transaction, when we close, you're going to get a bonus as a reward for your services, staying on through the transaction. And then of course, staying on, give yourself time under new ownership. And I'm not going out, by the way, I'm not leaving on day one, Mm -hmm. right? I may be, depending on the deal, I may be reinvesting. I may be still the CEO. I may have still a meaningful amount of equity in a deal, but I think these guys are the right partners to, to, to take us to the next level. And I think it's better for all of us or Look, I am leaving. I'm 68 years old, but I'm going to stay on for two years or 12 months, whatever it is, and make that transition to retirement in a timeline that also helps with the integration of new ownership coming in that's going to rely on you people, you guys, as a key members to help grow it to the next level. So it's all about that. So we sit with the owners and talk about various strategies that we can, that it can utilize and I, I can honestly tell you in 20 years of business, but it, it, as long as you communicate, as long as you're transparent, as long as you're upfront with your employees, it typically will go smoothly if it's coordinated right. So, so as you can see during due diligence, bringing more people into it, right? So now it's still, you're not closed yet, mm. right? You still got 48 days, 50 days, but now these people are aware of what's happening, right? So that's one aspect. So you start closing these things down during the due diligence process. And then you also have to think about, and then, and then more questions come. And owners get, and rightfully so, it's frustrating because it's, we call it deal fatigue. Mm. They've been getting pounded with questions about their business for a couple months now. But through management presentations, through follow-up, through conference calls, Zoom calls, video calls, whatever. And the first thing on the kickoff call is, <laughs> happens almost every time, how are sales and what's your backlog? Mm-hmm. And we, we just signed a letter of intent and you know what our numbers are, right? <laughs> and owners go, what do you ask me that question for? You know what they are, right? Mm-hmm. But they want to know. And every week through this process, how are sales? What's your backlog? What do we need to know about? Things like that. So what happens here is, is that it becomes very concentrated. You're trying to continue to manage your people. You're trying to run your business, but you have all this stuff. You have your accounting due diligence, you have your legal due diligence, you have your operational due diligence, you have your benefit due diligence, you have you have your insurance due diligence, you have your cybersecurity and infrastructure and IT due diligence, and you have you have the buyer doing background checks on your key and yourself and your key management, and you have your environmental depending on the kind of deal. And by the way, it's not one person. That's doing this due diligence. It's twelve or it's twelve consultants that the buyers hired. Their accounting firm, the law firm, their benefits people, their human resource people, their environmental people, their IT consulting people, cybersecurity, etc. So everybody wants to get in, right? Everyone wants to know 
how to do that. <clears throat> so how do you kind of alleviate and maximize the time so you are, are, are efficient and you have a goal in mind and you have a timeline? Because you want to stay on time. You want to stay within those boundaries because if it slips, getting it back on is, is can be a, a daunting task. So what do you do to do this? So you know they have they have what we call we set up a data room, a virtual data room, and there's many sources that, that that provide it. We subscribe to a couple, one called Dropbox, and what we try to do for our clients and for the benefit of the buyer is is early in the stage of the, of going to market, we prepare what we call a due diligence request list, right? And this is a accumulation of 20 years of experience. We try to whittle it down and to say, hey, here are the key things we know they're going to want, mm. right? So we provide that, we load that due diligence request list up into the data room. And it's, it's multiple folders, financial, legal, operations, environmental, benefits, human resources, IT, et cetera, et cetera. And in, in, in each one of those little folders, there could be eight to 10 subcategories. And so we advise our clients, hey, let's get ahead of this. Right. Let's start populating this information now, because if you wait till we sign LOI, it's a daunting task to try to get everything up. If there are, yeah, if there are components missing in that data room that could prove fatal, I take it. And so you, and meanwhile, this is a, this is a complicated process because you as the quarterback of this, correct me if I'm wrong, are coordinating people who are employees of the company and then others who are outside consultants and they're all doing their part and filling their part of that data room. Right. right. So it's not, well, I, w- I wouldn't call it fail. So what ends up happens, we typically will, depending on our initial due diligence request, uh, a checklist we put up there that will cover, I would say anywhere from 80 to 90% of the buyer requests. Okay. So we're way ahead of the game. And so what ends up happening is when this due to going back to this due diligence kickoff call, we asked the buyer, okay, give us a working group of your consultants, right? Your accounting, your team, your accounting firm you're using, your lawyers, your benefit, all the way down. And we're going to give you a list of all our people with their, their names, their phone numbers, and their email address, addresses and email. We're going to all we're going to exchange that. So the buyer and seller know who the key people are. Right. When do we make the introductions to the lawyers? Right. When do we introduce our accountants to their accounts? When do we do this and that? All that is kind of laid out on this milestone chart. Mm. And we backfill the data with it. So it's in a data room. So we try to keep it going in a way that it's, I wouldn't call it seamless, but that people have access, can look in them, can open up the data room wherever they are on a laptop, in their office, whatever, and they can see what, in, what information is there or what other things they do. Mm-hmm. So we constantly, hold on one sec. Train's going by. Kind of charming, actually. I can leave it in if you want. <laughs> there he goes. I'll take a look. So you have this information in a data room. And, and, and so, now the, so now we'll have an, intro, we may have a separate introductory call to introduce the lawyers. And we'll be on that call as well, right? So we want to make sure that everybody is, is involved in the process. I mean, we are in a very, very active market. And we talked about this before. This is probably the most active M&A market in my 20 years of business, maybe, yeah. maybe even longer for other people. Right? So getting the consultants and everybody on, on page, on the same page, mm-hmm 
can be somewhat challenging to coordinate because everybody's extremely busy. And so you don't want to say, and we asked that question. Well, before we signed a letter of intent, we're looking at, we, everybody asked for 90 days. We say, we'll give you 60 with an extension. So are your professionals lined up? And so are you the one that provides deadlines for all those professionals to, to stay on track? We're banking on the good faith of the buyer mm-hmm. that yes, we have, we have had preliminary discussions. Our lawyers quote unquote from a deal we have under LOI right now, we have a couple, our lawyers and accountants have been in the in the loop since we started this process with you they are ready to go they are on the bench when we give them the go sign they're ready to go we have a long-standing relationship with the law firm we've given them a substantial amount of business as well as the accounting firm so we are ready to make this happen grand central station (laughs) we are here at the essex steam train behind me so for everybody and our viewing audience if you ever look into a great place to take your kids the S16 Tram and Riverboat, which is getting a free advertisement on, right. the, uh, on our podcast this morning, decided to uh, run its train. That is not an artificial uh, sound effect. That's the actual horn. That is the actual train <laughs> horn, 1932. Wow. So, And if we move as slow as the train did, we'd never get through due diligence. But you know, we'll, we'll leave that after this. So as you can see, Dave, right? You're keeping I mean, the deal, Keith, you're keeping the deal on track. I, I can't let that opportunity hey, we are, go. There we go. There you go. <laughs> We are keeping the deal on track and let's have that no more whistle here. I heard a little bit of a steam in the background. So the key is, right. Is that you gotta stay on top of this stuff. As you said, on track and and things will pop up. And for example, your backlog is down, right? So the buyer's going to be all over that. They paid, they paid up, went through an auction process. They they were the best bidder, the best buyer. And all of a sudden you're you're wide, your back, wide, your backlog slip. I see the buyer and, his, and the owner is going to say, well, look, I mean, this is business. What happened? You know, I don't run my company month to month. Right. Right. So I'm not concerned about it. This is where I think it's going. This is our pipeline, et cetera. But the buyer always looks at it with a level of skepticism. What could be going wrong? Right. So you have to satisfy their skepticism, satisfy their need. Right. Yeah. And they may have some recency bias i take it you're talking about things looked one way when they agreed to the the terms of the deal in the letter of intent but i guess it's possible they could fixate on recent events just because they're prone to look out for those pitfalls it's their nature yeah there's 99 reasons not to do the deal as one to do the deal mm-hmm. it's not their money depending on who you're dealing with if it's an equity fund it's investors money so they're Sometimes over, but is at a certain point, you look, you have to have, you have to have a confidence in us and the numbers stand for themselves. What we've done, our team, our systems, the market we're in are all reasons why you're here today. Right? So our job, because our owners, you know, will get frustrated and rightfully so they're tired. They've been through this. It's very emotional. Our job is to listen to what they have to say. And then go back to the buyer and and resolve with everybody's satisfaction. So things will come up. I mean, we another thing is like with the CAT scan and MRI, go back to that, is that they're you're gonna have to they're gonna want to talk to your customers. It's part of the due deal. You have to. It's one of your key customers. So when do you do that? And we always depending on the deal, but most of the time, I would say 99% of the time. That customer call is not done until the legal documents are 
are are at a point where there's one or two minor points that need to be negotiated, right? And then you have that call with the customer because you don't want to be opening up to your customer. Hey, I'm selling my company, right? Because it's like it's like a big reveal, right? And it's stressful. But the reality of it is is that the customer's likely not going to be surprised that much. They've seen multiple multiple vendors of theirs be acquired over the last five to 10 years. And they may view this as a great thing. Hey, you're, oh, you guys are getting acquired and you got, you got new capabilities. Oh, great. We can send you more business. Mm-hmm. Our concern we're not sending you more business was that you're only X or 20 million in sales. Now you're part of a half billion dollar organization. We can really open up to, because we like working with you guys. Your quality control is great. So you don't, typically that's the response you get from the vendor that you become part of a big organization that with more capabilities and a deeper team, a deeper bench, they actually get excited about that. But you don't know that you have that call, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all about the time and, and making sure all these things are coordinated in a way that is effective and get to close efficient. Because I said early in this, in this conversation, it, the more time drags on, the more opportunity there's for something to happen that will derail the deal. We are up against the clock here, but but Keith, if people want to know more about this or know more about your approach at Osage, how can they do that? So thanks, Dave. Yeah, so my name's Keith D. I'm the uh, president and founder of Osage Advisors. Feel free to call me anytime. My phone number is 860-767-3273, extension 1001. Or you can email me at kdee at osageadvisors.com or visit us, visit us on the web at osageadvisors.com. And we're here to help. Thank you. Well, you can also find all the past episodes of the podcast on Keith's website, as you just mentioned. But please do subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever else you find your shows. And we thank you for listening to the ins and outs of selling a business. <laughs>